Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Uncommon People podcast. This is the show about ordinary people and their extraordinary stories, or the extraordinary stories of ordinary people, however you like to look at it. We've all lived our own lives, and I think we've got a lot worth sharing from them, however normal we may appear to ourselves. So I want to listen to these stories and give other people the chance to do so as well. If you think you'd like to have this kind of a conversation, I would encourage you to reach out to me. My website is joeltimothy.co, and my contact info is up there for you so you can get in touch. This is number 10 of the show, where I talk with my friend Joseph DeFrange. I hope you get through the whole episode and get a lot from it. And meanwhile, here's the conversation. Enjoy. conversation and then yeah shoot the breeze man i mean typically so i'll start talking to people and then the first few minutes is just kind of you know getting comfortable and then once the file once i'm done i'll go through and listen to it and pick whatever spot is good to start with so it's not necessarily going to start right when i record but the sooner i hit record the more material i have to work with you know Mm. yeah Yeah. sure Chew up the meat, spit out the bones. Yes. <laughs> How long have you been into recording stuff then? When did you decide you wanted to... When, I guess, did you become interested in doing recording? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, August 2018. Oh, you have a specific date even. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, um, that's when I finished uh, my undergrad degree in psychology. And, you know, I'd always been interested in writing music and wanting to inspire people um and so yeah i wanted to i wanted to be able to create stuff that people people could listen to and it could it could breathe courage into their life Hmm. do you have like did you have a background in that before that made you get interested in in pursuing it was it something that was part of your family or growing up you saw a lot of um well, when I was 17, um, I had some mentors who just happened to all be musicians. Um, and yeah, they they would always really inspire me. And yeah, I, I mean, I had a really, a really tough childhood. Like I got to, I got to see a lot of really hard things. And yeah, I, I remember I, I was, I was about 16, 17. That's when I, that's when I became a Christian and figured out that like God was a person. And yeah, I remember, um, I remember sitting out in my truck singing this song by Matthew West that goes, "I love you more than the sun and the stars that I taught how to shine. You are mine, and you shine for me too. I love you yesterday and today and tomorrow. I'll say it again and again. I love you more than you can imagine, more than you can fathom. I love you more than the sun, and you shine for me." And how come yeah. you didn't sing all that? <laughs> oh, I don't. Know. It'd probably sound great on there. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Um, That's great. But um, yeah, seventeen out in my truck, seeing that that song and. Uh, I saw my first shooting star. Oh, wow. And yeah. Um, 
I mean, I, I would always, I would, I would always go sit out under the stars on Sunday nights after, after I got back from Young Life, and I would talk to God, like, God, who are you? Who am I? What is all, all of, what are all of these things that I'm experiencing, and why? And mm-hmm. yeah, and yeah, I remember. Yeah, coming out of just uh, a life where I felt condemned all the time, coming out of a life where I felt ashamed all the time, and yeah, um, God showed me that I was forgiven, that I was free, and that I was not condemned, (laughs) and that His grace was big enough for my worst sins. Um, when when my rebellion is at at its worst, God's grace is at its best, and yeah, you know, and, and that that was kind of the backdrop for when I I was sitting out in my truck singing that song, and I saw my first shooting star, and and that's that was kind of the trajectory for me. That's when I realized this is true. Mm-hmm. God is a real person. And he's interacting with me. And, yeah. Um, anyways, I, I, I always loved singing and I always loved um, hearing music that inspired me to think outside of, you know, outside of the condemnation, outside of the voices that attacked me. Mm-hmm. Um, it helped me to like these these songs helped me to push the metaphorical knife away from my chest they mm-hmm. gave, they gave me strength um, they helped me to see a perspective uh, bigger than my own and and ultimately they they were inviting me to the story that God was telling yeah that's awesome and that was at 17 mm-hmm. okay did did you have these mentors in your life prior to this when did you meet these people who you said they kind of were all musicians, your mentors? Yeah, I met them when I was about 17. Okay. Um, I would meet with this guy named Adam, um, and he was my first mentor. You know, I, uh, my dad, I mean, I, I love my dad, and I, I still talk to him today, but um, he was not the most emotionally attentive person in fact he would like whip me with a belt until I quit crying and you know when my mom had a miscarriage um, my dad's response was I'll suck it up Mm. and yeah and and he's he's getting better about that but um, yeah uh, Adam uh, my mentor was was kind of like a father Kind of like a father and a mother, honestly. Yeah. Um, even those, even though like fatherliness and motherliness are are kind of hard to define. I, I think that. Yeah. I think that he kind of did both of those, and uh-huh. um, we would confess sin to each other. Uh, we would read scripture together, and you know, as as he would confess his sin, I realized like I'm not alone. <laughs> I. Th- I've been hiding all of these things all of my life, and somebody's just kind of like, oh, uh, I did this, 
God forgive me. Not mm-hmm. not flippantly, but like with ease. Yeah. Um, he would confess his sins and yeah, it just made me feel like I wasn't alone. And not only that, it um, it assured me that God's grace was big enough and that I was covered um, because of what Jesus did and that I didn't need to continue to wallow in shame and condemnation. Yeah, so Adam, yeah, he was a, he was a musician and he, he would always uh, suggest music stuff to me and, and it was inspiring to get to see him lead worship and yeah, and then, yeah, I had a couple other mentors. Um, Curtis Stuke uh, was was also a musician, and yeah, super solid guy. Blake Taylor was another mentor who, yeah, he was he's one of the first people <laughs> to say like I love you, and I was like, hmm, I think I believe you. Hmm. And I remember we went to this music festival called Ichthus. And so I got to be exposed to like 20 different mainline musical artists. And so that was that was an amazing exposure. And I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't think it's that my mentors taught me to be a musician, but I don't know. They just, they just were. Um, they were musicians. And so... Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know exactly how that connects to how I became a musician. Um, it was inspiring. It I was. Would think. They were I guess they were like a model for me. They were an example mm-hmm. to yep. me. And yeah. Um, wow. I remember see I was I was twenty I was twenty one. Either twenty one or twenty two. And I was on my way to uh, go get counseling because um, I, I was getting counseling at that that time. Um, and I was telling God, like, God, I really want to glorify you through music and I, I'll, I'll do whatever you want. Um, this, is, this is something that I enjoy doing and yeah, uh, I enjoy it, but um, I'm willing to surrender it as well, and um, I don't know like, if I have the raw talent. I don't know if I have the ability to do this. I, 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 I don't know if I even sound good, and I would love to hear from you. Like, would would you confirm whether or not this is something that I'm called to? And yeah, so I went to counseling, and then immediately after that, I went to. Uh, community group and um, th- these were all new people <laughs> I-, I didn't yeah <laughs> like I had just met all of them and you know I-, I I know I know people have a lot of opinions about prophecy uh, I think there are some people who are like oh yeah God said this God said that and they can be kind of flippant and then you have other people who are just like Oh yeah, you can't trust any of those voices in your head. Joseph Smith had a experience, and there was there there came uh, Mormonism. It, but I don't know. I think there's balance. I think um, that we should we should 
be rooted in scripture and yeah uh, so knowing the truth and, and whenever we do hear something that we think is God like let's see if he confirms it let's see if there's some things that it correlates with that mm-hmm. uh, I could test the prophecy to you and anyways um, there was this girl there and I just met her I just met everyone in, in this group yeah and <laughs> I know that experience yeah and and she had a word from the Lord uh, for actually she had one for everyone in the room but mine was uh, she said I, I see a bursting color I see I see creativity I see musicianship and she asked me like do you play the guitar are you a musician and I was like oh uh actually yeah it's kind of crazy you mentioned that because about two hours ago I was telling God that you know I would sell my guitar and uh, stop doing music if that's what he wanted me to do or I would pursue it wholeheartedly if if, if that's something that he was going to bless and something that he was going to um, be for me doing. And, yeah, and that was, that was kind of the beginning of my music journey. And now I am a recording artist. I have, I have music on Spotify. I started, this, I started a band called Oriented & Co., and we have... We put our first EP out not too long ago. Nice. I need to check that out. Yeah. For all of our listeners, look up Oriented and Co. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> and I actually have a, a personal song from like my my personal name, Joseph Defrange. Nice. Um, coming out on Spotify, oh, okay. iTunes, and everything else. It's, it's coming out March 10th. So I'm really excited. It's a it's a song. I I called it Bones, um, and it's a it's a song. It's a, it's a song about words that bring life and words that don't. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a powerful subject. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I grew up with a ton of toxicity, uh, toxic words that were spoken to me, mm-hmm. and um, Bones is just a song that. You know, proclaims I, I reject, <laughs> I reject all of the toxicity that I've heard. I, I reject, I reject the voice of shame. I re, I reject the voice of intimidation. I reject the voice of fear. Um, and I'm gonna hold to words of power, words of truth, words that bring life to my bones. Um, and that, you know, that's that's something I live by. Like I want to be, I want to be someone who. Uh, is impacted by the Father heart of God, somebody who's impacted by truth um, of Christ and therefore go and impact communities, teaching them to position themselves in a way that they can receive from God, uh, help like teaching them to position themselves to behold and become like Christ hmm. and that's what will bring life to their bones. And it's, yeah, it's what's brought life to mine. And I'm really excited for people to hear this song coming out. Yeah, that's awesome, man. 
So if you don't mind, let's we'll talk about your childhood a bit because you, I mean, kind of dug in there right off the get go that you had a really difficult childhood. Do you want to start talking about that? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Have the mic just like that's a good distance, but have it in front of you so you're talking at it. This thing's pretty adjustable. You can. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Yeah. Um. So you did, are you from here? Did you grow up here? Yeah, I grew... Well, actually, no. <laughs> Are you from... Hold on. I think I remember. Are you from Kansas? No, I'm from uh, Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Okay, yeah. okay. So yeah. you, you grew up in Oklahoma? Mm-hmm. Do you have any siblings? Um, I do. I have a sister. She is 25 years old. I'm 26, so I'm the oldest. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a brother who is 19 years old. Okay. Bit of a gap there. Yeah. Are you guys close? Yeah, I'd say I say I would say that I'm close to my brother. I I really enjoy spending time with him. Um, and I can have good conversations with my sister sometimes, and that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I I don't see him as much as I'd like to, but yeah. Are uh, they both in Oklahoma? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Are you the only one out here from your family? Yeah. Your parents and your siblings are both in Oklahoma? Yeah. Okay. So you were the oldest growing up. What was what was growing up like for you? Yeah, good question. So mom and dad were married until I was nine years old. And that was fine and good. Um, mom and dad fought like every day. Um, yeah, it's... Yeah, it was really hard watching them fight all of the time because I, I, I wanted to be almost like this mediator for them. Mm-hmm. I, I almost wanted to be their family counselor, and I was I was seven or eight years old. Yeah, and you know those are some big shoes to fill as a seven or eight year old. Yeah, that responsibility shouldn't fall on children. Mm-hmm. But I think I think it's common that um, kids feel that way. When they see their parents fighting, they want to bring peace somehow, and they have no idea how to do that, you know? Um, yeah. So you said until you were nine? Yeah. So your parents were divorced at that point? Yeah, my parents divorced when I was nine. Um, but, yeah, before, before they were divorced, I would always hear them argue, and I would... I mean, even at an early age, I would see that both of them had valid points and both of them had incongruencies in what they were saying. Mm-hmm. And I I just wanted them to listen to each other and sort things out, but that didn't really happen. Yeah, and nine was the age that I watched them get divorced and that was really sad. I stayed with my mom until I was 12 and then moved back in with my dad. And yeah, uh, it was, it was pretty rough. Um, my, my mom, she was always upset with me for some reason. Um, so that, that was kind of a wound that I had. Mm-hmm. Like, mom's not happy with me and 
that became a filter through which I interpreted other people's behavior in my community, and I kind of assumed they weren't happy with me too. Yeah, um, I get that. My dad, whenever we would work together, he was really impatient. He would be like, no, don't do it that way. Do it this way. Don't you know anything? Smack me in the head, like telling me that I'm not smart. Um, and making me feel like I don't have good ideas and that I, I wasn't capable of doing things and that was really hard and so yeah that, that also became a, a lens through which I interpreted my community's perception of me mm-hmm. and my perception of myself like yeah you know maybe I can't do anything maybe yeah you know I would see my teachers and I, I would be afraid to ask them questions because I'm like, I don't, I don't want to look dumb. I, yeah. I don't want them to think the same thing that my dad thinks of me. Mm-hmm. I, um, yeah, it just became a filter through yeah. which I saw myself, and that wasn't super great. No. Yeah, I mean, it goes to show how powerful our words are. I mean, for especially... Um, for children when you're growing up the words that your parents say to you um, it's really hard to think of the long-term effect of the things we say but our words do either bring death or life and I don't think we ever really fully recognize the impact they make good or bad I think we don't really realize how much good we can do to people when we speak life to them we don't know how far in the future that will carry and likewise we don't know how much damage unkind words can say negativity and pessimism and just talking down to people or or not not verbally expressing how much we believe in them and are for them um yeah i'm i am a big proponent of clear honest kind communication and trying to remember what our words do to people. Because I've struggled with that a lot, too. Um, my parents definitely were not um, kind of in the same place maybe that yours were and how they treated us. They definitely tried very hard. And they, I, I love my parents. They did a great job. Um, my mom especially is just very sensitive and has always been our biggest cheerleader, you know, and, and whatever we're doing. I know, especially for me, feeling like I've kind of gone and done things that most people didn't think were great ideas mm. um, and continue to do that, mm. it, it can be easy, I think, for other people to dismiss the things you want to do. And maybe she could have as well, but my mom has never done that. I'm so fortunate to have a mom who has always stood behind me and um, encouraged me. Hi, Mom. <laughs> she listens. <laughs> she listens to your podcast? Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm really happy about that. I don't know if she listens to, if she has listened to each of the episodes, but, yeah, she does listen. At some point, she'll hear this one. Yeah, she'll have to hear this one because she was brought up. Yeah, yep. I try to say hi, Mom, and everyone. <laughs> You know, like the thing, you know, the joke kind of, if you get on TV, you have to say, hi, mom. Yeah. Yeah, that kind of thing. 
yeah. This is, I mean, this is a real life example of it. That's perfect. Yeah. Your waveform is a little small. You can, you can get it a little bit closer. Okay. Yeah. About right there. Yeah. 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 That'd be good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> so I did that. Do you think? Growing up in the situation you did, because you studied, you said psychology. Mm-hmm. Did was that something you thought of a lot while you were studying that you wanted to understand um, the background that you came out of and or why your parents did things that they did? You want to understand humanity and and the the motivations people have and behavior, that kind of stuff. Was that a motivation for you in studying psychology? Yeah. Initially, I started studying psychology because I'm like, gosh, I'm so socially awkward. <laughs> and if I understand how people work, maybe maybe I won't be so awkward. Yeah. And I'll learn how to make friends and keep them too. And That's funny. So that was my initial motivation, but mm-hmm. it, it, it turned out, yeah, kind of how you're saying, it, it turned out to be a, a really great way to you know, kind of process my childhood and upbringing and recover from yeah. everything that I went through. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad that I studied psychology. Yeah. It's it's not the most marketable degree. No? Uh, and, I would and, think and, it and, has... Unless you get a master's degree afterwards okay. in counseling, which is what I'm doing right now. Mm-hmm. So you were in counseling, you said, at, at around when you were 21, that age? I was in, was I in counseling? Yeah, you mentioned that you were in counseling at a certain stage. When did when did that start? Yeah, I I got I went to get counseling when I was about nineteen. Okay, that's that's whenever I started. Um, my counselor's name was Jeremy Wolf, and it's kind of it's kind of interesting. I started to wonder like. Like, am I retarded? Like, do I have a mental handicap? And, or, or something like that. I know that's not the most politically correct word to yeah, use, yeah. but that was the language I used to speak to myself at that time. Uh huh. Which, you know, I wasn't very kind to myself. Uh, and the thoughts in my head weren't kind to me. So they they did use harsh words like that. My, my thoughts did mm-hmm. but yeah I remember seeing Jeremy and getting counseling from him he's he's getting his he was getting his doctorate degree or no he had his doctorate he had his doctorate degree in counseling and he's like Joseph you're not retarded you don't have a mental handicap you have a lot of emotional pain that you need to recover from this was this was because of your upbringing you don't you don't have a biological disorder your your problems seem to be your problems seem to be about nurture rather than nature Hmm. Um, and yeah that's something that you can you can work on and improve were you still living with your dad at this point? Well, I was in college at this point. Okay. Um, so when did you move? You said you moved in with your dad when you were 12? 
right? Yeah. And when did you move out on your own? Was it first for college? Yeah. Yeah, I was 18. Um, I went to I went to a small Christian school in Joplin called Ozark Christian College, and that was really great. And then I transferred to Liberty University and finished up there. But, yeah, I got free counseling because of, you know, being able to... I got free counseling from going to Ozark Christian College, and that was really great. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. So was that... How did being out on your own allow you to begin processing, I guess, your childhood? Because mm. you made the decision, I assume, to start going to counseling when mm-hmm. you were 19? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I remember thinking to myself, somebody encouraged count, me encouraged me to get counseling, and I was like, no, I'm I'm not, not doing that. I'm not weak. <laughs> Yeah, but then he assured me like you don't have to be weak to get counseling. It's it's actually <laughs> you don't have to be weak to get counseling. It's actually a form of strength that you would be humble enough to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, but anyways, being being away from the the community I grew up in was amazing. Um. I had all of a sudden I had a completely new environment. Mm-hmm. I was in, in I was getting introduced to completely new ideas and yeah, I I changed a, a, a lot. I, I, I imagine, yeah. I didn't realize it, but you know, like a lot of a lot of my behaviors were a result of people's expectations of me. A lot of who I thought that I was was because people perceived me a certain way. And it was really great getting away from all of those people who perceived me certain ways so mm-hmm. that I could just kind of be who I was. And so um, getting to getting to go to Ozark Christian College and be a part of a, a new community was amazing because nobody had any expectations of me. Nobody had any perceptions of me and most of my friends were just as new as I was yeah <laughs> at this whole college thing and they were getting the same experience you get, like got to start over yeah I got to start over yeah oh that's a great feeling because I relate to that a lot what you said there um they, the people around you didn't have any expectation of you uh that's how I felt when I left home like I was leaving this environment that already had a certain perception of me and expected me to fit into it. And even though I felt pulled to do that out of some desire to fulfill an obligation, um, it it didn't feel right. It didn't feel like me. It still doesn't. I still don't. Honestly, it's still hard for me to be around kind of the people I was growing up because... The people who already have expectations on me. And it can be hard for me to feel, it can be hard going into that without feeling like I have to meet those expectations. Without feeling, it can be hard to feel free to be whoever I really am when the people around me already expect certain things of me. I've found that to be a really difficult struggle. 
So coming here and starting over and having all these new people around me who genuinely just wanted to get to know who I was, they want to know me, was so refreshing and so helpful and life-giving. That So that was, you have a similar experience when you moved out and got to go to college and start fresh? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, I, yeah, like you're saying, that was really, it was a really, that is really similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really similar. So that was still, that was in Oklahoma at this point? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you transferred to Liberty University? Where's that? Uh, that's in Lynchburg, Virginia, but okay. I, I did it, it was on, it was all online. Okay. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So what years were you going to the school in Oklahoma? Um... Well, the the school in Joplin. Joplin, okay. Uh, that's that's where I spent my freshman year, sophomore year, and I was about to go into my junior year, but uh, then I decided that I wanted to uh, switch to Liberty University and live in Fayetteville, Arkansas, because I I I really liked the community here in Fayetteville, and yeah, wanted to be a part of New Heights Church I yeah. wanted to be a I don't know I I wanted a place where I could grow and develop into the person I was meant to be uh-huh that's awesome so how did you know about Fayetteville and, and New Heights and all of that to be able to say I want to leave the, the university that I'm at now and move to this other town and then do school online um, so all my mentors who happened to be in Oklahoma, um, they went to the University of Arkansas. And okay. They were a part of New Heights, and they would always talk about classes that they did with New Heights. Uh, they would they would do classes on hearing the voice of God and spiritual warfare and just like all of these topics that I'm like I've never heard anyone do a solid I've never heard anyone teach on spiritual warfare or hearing the voice of God and uh, all of these things that seem so so central to scripture and I would love to learn about it and so Mm -hmm. was that exciting when you decided to move and pick up again and move to Fayetteville yeah it, it was really exciting um I was scared as well yeah naturally yeah and it and it was it was also it was also really hard for the first well until this until about December I so I moved in August so that was August September October November December so the first five months were really really tough yeah I didn't know a lot of people mm-hmm. but I, I got connected to the community really quickly. So what was the process like for you moving? Because I've moved, um, I guess, kind of a few times a a little bit. And the the first time when I moved out to Arkansas was the biggest one, but it was very non-conventional. I was living in my vehicle and kind of just hoping to find a place to stay. So what's it like moving? And what was it like for you as a 20-something-year-old uprooting and then restarting over here Hmm. yeah that's a good question 
So I I already uprooted and when I moved to I already uprooted whenever I moved to Joplin. Uh-huh. And Yeah. That was that was a good experience. And I don't know, it was it was like all over again. I get to be a part of a community that doesn't have any expectations of me because uh-huh. you know being in Joplin for a while getting to know people people do start to develop expectations of you and that's normal mm-hmm. but yeah it's it was like I was kind of buffering even that even even after I just had an experience where I got to um, become more who I was without people perceiving me a certain way or expecting certain things of me I got to I got I got to buffer myself yet again when I moved here mm-hmm. and that was really great um, yeah it's, it's amazing it's amazing what you can do in a relationship with someone whenever you just don't have expectations of them when when you can just let them be who they are because yeah it was yeah it was really good getting to have that opportunity yet again and yeah and then once I moved here I I started to go to this Bible study with Kevin Rusak, and we went through the book of Ephesians. We went through First and Second Timothy. We went through Second uh, Corinthians. We went through Mark, and yeah, I've never seen anyone understand Scripture as well as Kevin Rusak does. Hmm. And he, yeah, he has a super balanced view of God and life and I I still really look up to him to this day and yeah he was he was kind of like a father figure to me I was really fortunate to get to know him yeah mm. but have you had a number of people who have filled that role for you? you you mentioned I think was it Adam you said kind of felt like he was a father and a mother filling those roles have you had yeah. a number of people like that? Yeah, I have had a number of people like that. Um, yeah. Yeah, I've had quite a quite a few. Yeah. Um, yeah, I could... I mean, I could talk to you for about three or four hours <laughs> about all the different people who've impacted my life. Um, Has it seemed kind of um, a little too convenient to be coincidence when they turned up in your life? If that question makes sense. Yeah. Like maybe it was God orchestrating something. Yeah. Because I've found, looking back at my life and the different times I've been in difficult circumstances, um, either short-term or long-term in a journey, when I look at it, somehow the people I needed to be around were there. Mm. Um, Even when I didn't know that I needed those people, I look Mm. back at, like, my trip that brought me here. Mm. I didn't know anybody. I I didn't think I knew anybody anywhere, but I actually did manage to have friends at various points around the country who I stayed with and who helped me and who uh, encouraged me. 
in ways that I wasn't even aware of. It was all so new. That was a new experience. And looking back at how the timing of these people showing up, it does seem um, oddly well-timed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. Do, do I feel like it was God or do I feel like it was circumstance? Um, I guess another way to phrase it, looking back at your life now, do the people in your life who have helped you the most, did it seem like those relationships were orchestrated? Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it seems like Yeah, in, in Oklahoma. Yeah, in, in Oklahoma, I, I would say, had. I I was really blessed, with really great mentors. And I think of, Adam, Curtis, and Blake. I think of. Larry and Jane and Ald. I think of. Um, I don't know. I think of people who, spent time praying for me spent time hearing hearing me and speaking the truth of the gospel into my situation and that was nothing I had control over I couldn't I, I couldn't manipulate that situation if I tried um, and so yeah that was that was a huge blessing and yeah, then moving to Joplin. Um, yeah, it seems like a lot fell into place there too. I was struggling with struggling with doubts, and well, guess what? I got to read about apologetics. I was struggling with relationships. I got to take a course on healthy relationships. I was struggling with. Uh, repressed and suppressed I, I was I was dealing with just emotional pain and I happened to be able to get counseling for free which I would never have paid money for because I didn't think that I needed a counselor at that time mm -hmm. um, but yet that happened and then yeah I moved to Fayetteville kind of kind of like Abraham I was like kind of <laughs> blindly going forward I don't know what's going to happen whenever I move to Fayetteville but I wanted to move there see if I can find a job see if I can find friends and yeah I found an amazing community I found amazing mentors uh, here in Fayetteville as well and yeah I happened to 
meet Kevin Rusak at a coffee shop and he invited me to a Bible study. Um, coffee shops are the best. <laughs> yeah, just, I, just I mean, kind of on a whim. It's great. Met a lot of good people at coffee shops. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and it's been... Yeah, I don't... You can't really you can't really know what's ahead in the future, mm-hmm. but you can keep moving and see what happens. Yep. And probably God will put people in your life. Hmm. Probably. I like that. You said you can't really know what's ahead in the future. Is that what you said? Yeah. But you can keep moving. I don't take notes as often as I should, I think. But I'm going to try. You're good. You're good. <laughs> um, you Wait, what did you say? You can't know what's ahead, but you can keep moving. Yeah. You can't know what's ahead, but you can keep moving and know that God's probably going to put the right people in your life. For those wondering why there's so much silence, it's because I'm writing writing things down. Huh. You can keep talking, though. Hmm. But yeah, um, that's, that's kind of been my journey. Then I went to... Yeah, that's, so that, yeah, that's kind of been my journey. And then I finished my undergrad degree in psychology and then then I was a real life adult and I'm like crap what do I do what's that what's a real life adult um, well, well that let me tell you that's whenever you figure out that you're in this huge ocean and you gotta figure out how to do life in this big vast area of opportunity you got to figure out where you fit into the world and yeah i think i think 20 being in your 20s is is just a time to go out and make mistakes yeah (laughs) i agree figure out who you are Mm -hmm. figure out how you fit into the community figure out how you contribute best to the community and yeah and, and hopefully by the time you're 30 you'll um, have some sort of idea, but you probably still won't have a complete picture of what you're doing, where you're going. Yeah. But yeah. I think so. I think it's, I think, I think it's wise to have goals and things you're pursuing. I'm trying to, I was never good at that. I'm trying to get better at that for sure. Um, but I think you need to be okay with just taking it a day at a time with, not knowing what you're doing or where you're going because sometimes we just don't sometimes i don't know what i'm doing tomorrow or the next day or next year um but if i know what i can do today i think that's the best move to make doing the best i can today with what i have Hmm. is this kind of a conversation difficult for you or does it come more naturally to you 
about like kind of discussing the chron- chronology of my life? I guess just just the nature of how we've been, like the things we've been covering so far. No, this is good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I like I like having the opportunity to think about my history mm-hmm. and think about yeah, think about like what has impacted me and be reminded of a lot of these things that I just forget about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm studying counseling today. That's something that I really enjoy. And, you know, I think really what a counselor does is, is they just, they, they notice out loud. They, mm-hmm. they listen to you talk and they, they make theories out loud and they notice out loud um, and I think a really great metaphor to describe that is, you know, like if you burn a candle and it's been lit for a couple hours, eventually you're like, I, I can't smell this thing anymore. I, I, just, I got used to it. Mm-hmm. And another metaphor, like if somebody comes into your house, they're like, oh, hey, uh, tell me about this decoration. And you're like, oh, I forgot about it. And that's that thing's about seven years old, and then they proceed to tell you the story behind it. And, and I think that, in a, in a literal sense, our our stories are kind of like that. We we forget the smell of our own lives. We forget we forget the interior decorations of our inner inner self. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and 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 it doesn't take. It doesn't take a lot. It just it, it takes somebody to observe out loud. It's really simple. Mm-hmm. And yeah, a person who's willing to listen can help somebody take things that are unconscious and 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 make them conscious again. Yeah. And yeah, I always like the opportunity to take things that I've forgotten about and remember them mm-hmm. <laughs> like re hyphen member yeah remember my thoughts uh-huh. re- remember what has impacted me and yeah that helps me to be more congruent uh, with myself more congruent meaning that like I know what my cycles are I know what my emotional cycles are. I know what my thinking cycles are. I know what my behavioral cycles are. Um, because, yeah, whenever you're by yourself, you have a hard time noticing like how you come across to other people. and It's hard to notice your own emotional thinking, behaving cycles. Mm-hmm. So, anyways. Has school been the... the- primary thing that has taught you how to do that school's been great um yeah it's it's changed my complete it's completely changed the rhythms of my life yeah and i'm getting filled with knowledge that i wouldn't have otherwise had Uh uh-huh so yeah that that's one of the reasons why a lot of this stuff is even coming to mind because you know, that's what I study. Yeah. Yeah. When, so when will you, you're studying for your master's right now. Mm-hmm. When will you graduate with that? 
December 2022, I think. Okay. Yeah. Are you wanting to go into counseling full time? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, I still wanna. I still wanna keep doing music stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I still wanna keep writing songs, and and being a source of inspiration for people in that way. Um, I still wanna teach other people to record their own music and record their own podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm going to be studying counseling and I'm really excited about it. And I see myself using a lot of the techniques that I'm learning about whenever I have students come to me and, you know, they want to learn how to record their own podcast um, or they want to learn how to record their own song and, and, yeah, help them to take those things that are unconscious for them and make them overt so that they can use them for lyrics. So, yeah, that's that's one of the things that they get. That's not necessarily my pitch. That's not mm-hmm. what I use to um, find students. Yeah. But, yeah, that can be kind of like a word of mouth thing. Like, uh-huh. oh, he's, like, really good at listening, actually. And... Yeah, that's one of the things that I just I feel like is my strength. I'm, I'm good at I'm good at listening to other people and yeah, helping them take these unconscious things that they've experienced in their life and, and make them like conscious again. Yeah. That's great though. I mean the the kind of combining of talents or a combining of passions things that you care about that's kind of what i'm doing with the podcast especially since i take photos with it too Mm -hmm. i get to talk to people and help them process things and tell their story and then i get to make photos of them and i i just love doing those Mm -hmm. things i i when people would ask me in conversation if i'm at a coffee shop or something and they say what do you want to do I will look at them and I'll say, this is what I want to do. Because mm-hmm. I just love talking to people. Mm-hmm. And I'm really fortunate to be able to do this kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. I don't do it full time. I don't do it as a job. But it's still something I care about. And I think if you care about something, you, you should put some energy toward it. You know, even if you're not making money on it. Yeah. So is that kind of right now, that's, are you focused on making this your job right now or is it more of a side thing that you want to do just as a hobby as far as recording and and helping people with that so yeah i do i do get paid for it um i mean i i i'm not charging a ton right now because i'm just kind of starting out Mm -hmm. i mean (laughs) yeah um if i if i go to like one of the bigger studios in Bentonville, they charge $150 per session, which lasts about an hour long. Um, yeah, so I don't, I don't charge anywhere near that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I love it because you know people get to have a song of their own or a podcast of their very own that they're proud of, and yeah, and they they get to play around on my $4,000 studio, so they get studio time. And they get accountability 
So I help them to develop the rhythms and momentum and habits that are going to help them to keep creating. And yeah, and then I kind of use my counseling skills sometimes mm-hmm. <laughs> um, to to dig up pearls with them. Yeah. Um, and that's what I, I think songwriting is. It's, you know, finding those things that you've experienced, those those things that have made you who you are um, and perhaps the unique things that you've experienced. It's, it's kind of like scuba diving and finding pearls. Yeah. And so, yeah, I love helping people find those. That's great. Like, and use them as lyrics. So mm-hmm. it's kind of, it's kind of multi-purpose, good lyrics and, you get to come away with better mental health. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, that's, I can't think of a better bonus. <laughs> yeah. And that is like a really awesome twofold thing to, oh, what was I thinking? I'm losing this thought right as I'm trying to let it out of my brain. Um, I guess to be able to process something and discover it in yourself and also share it at the same time when the the product that comes out of it is something that you get to share with other people. Um, Yeah, that's great. Um, Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I'm really excited. And it brings me a lot of joy because the people who are signing up to do it, uh, I think they really have something the world needs to hear. Mm -hmm. And so it, it just, yeah, it brings me a lot of joy. Uh, to see them like thriving through these classes, but um, yeah, also because I know that the things that my my students are gonna bring into the community are gonna make a really big difference, mm-hmm. and it's gonna it's gonna enrich people's lives whenever they hear it. That's what it's about, or what it should be about, anyway. I'm trying to. I'm I'm an idealist, so I want. I want to believe that there's a way that we can kind of build a world where people do what they love and the things that they love build everyone around them up. So we each just mutually benefit each other all the time. Um, I think that's a really difficult thing to achieve, Uh, but on a small scale anyway, it's probably more attainable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so on a small scale, it, might, it may be attainable. Like, what is what? What do you mean by that? I mean, kind of what I've what you get to see when you know people in the community who can help you in ways that you need, but you also can help them. Mm in ways that they need it's this mutual almost like bartering or trading but in a more uh generous way maybe i don't know um yeah economists would probably have all kinds of issues to raise with my (laughs) idea of people just sort of trading back and forth the things that they need but you see it on a large scale in things like patreon I mean, you, you seen Patreon or yeah, like what they do? Like that's that's incredible. The whole idea of crowdfunding, essentially, is people have an idea. You have an idea, and you show it to the world and say, if you like this, 
you can help me make it a reality. And then all these people get to pitch in and make that happen. Mm. And there's tons of them. So tons of people are doing that. Um, so what if we, what if our society functioned like that on an even larger scale mm. where we all have something to offer that's valuable about ourselves, things in our minds, things in our hearts that are valuable to others. Um, what if we did live in a world where people were trading that in an honest way you know it's, it's yeah. a difficult concept for me to articulate yeah I think you know I think one of the things about Patreon that's really great is that people can support like a, a movement that's happening uh, but not only that, like they get they get to be a part of your story. Like they get to be a part of like the podcast you write, the songs you write. They get to help you decide what gets released to the public, and and so yeah, I mean there there are record labels out there that help you market yourself really well. Um, but Patreon makes it to where yeah, you can just kind of be who you are without any record label telling you you need to be this certain way mm -hmm. um and yeah i think i think patreon's great it's a it's a great way to uh, cultivate community um yeah and i i think yeah i i thought about doing a patreon but i i never did um but with the with teaching with teaching audio production, I don't know. It just feels like there's an immediate transaction taking place. Like they're they're getting something of value immediately. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I've it it helps me to feel like I'm adding a ton of value to this person's life. And yeah, I I feel like that's like the the idea of like getting to do something that you enjoy but also like making income through it and you know benefiting other people while you do it i think that's 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 super ideal mm -hmm. oh absolutely uh, not everybody's in that situation and yeah i mean the 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 <laughs> the the faithful the faithful banker the the walmart cashier the you know the construction workers they all they all benefit the community in a lot of ways <laughs> i wonder I, wonder if the microphone yeah, can pick up i the i think sub, it might subwoofers outside yeah you know it's part of the podcast <laughs> little, little intensity I, I like the idea of having a podcast that has a lot of environmental things going on. Like, you can hear stuff going on. Especially if you were to record outside, uh -huh. um, like in the forest, and you could hear all of those noises. I, I love that. I would love to do that. Oh, that would be really cool. Yeah. I don't know how I would make it happen without it being pretty short because I don't know how I could plug into anything. 
you know? Um, I'd be running off of my laptop's battery, basically. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, that's true. But it could potentially last a while. Not mine so much. Maybe a newer oh. one. The reason we're talking about this, though, if anybody's wondering, I don't know if you can hear it, but there's a car that just pulled up in our the uh, parking lot of my apartment complex that's basically just shaking bass, which I find really funny whenever I hear people doing that. Like, is that music or is it just bass vibrations? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's like in the back of their trunk. <laughs> Man, I just can't imagine being in the car and enjoying that. It sounds like it'd be really loud. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's funny it's funny that you mention like environmental noises and wanting to do something out in nature. Uh-huh. Um I'm planning to I'm planning to do some stuff like that. Yeah. Um so I I'm studying counseling, but I'm also studying adventure therapy. And yeah, I wanna I wanna do a lot of things with it, but one one of the things that I wanna do is I want to rent out a cabin and um, have some other other creative folk come and do their thing, like record stuff, mm-hmm. write lyrics, um, make songs, collaborate um, while being out in nature. So that's awesome. Um, yeah, you could you can come to that if you want. You can plug in your laptop in the cabin. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that'd be that'd be super fun. Yeah, that's an awesome idea. I that's kind of the dream for me too. Similarly, to have a studio space that's collaborative, so a space where there's probably a, a large, larger dominating space that is more for photography um, that's set up for that. Mm-hmm. But then m- multiple smaller rooms that are set up so people can record podcasts. Um, so basically a rentable studio space for all types of different creative people. Um, preferably attached to a coffee shop so then people can go off into their, you know, maybe you shoot, you do your studio shoot and then you go next door and sit down with your laptop and work on it while drinking some coffee. Oh, that Just because that's, that's been such a... Uh, I love editing in a coffee shop. I love going to coffee shops in general. I love the idea of getting work done in a cafe and i would love to actually have a space where i do that where i'm right there i can get my work done and i can schedule interviews and i can do shoots and then when i'm not doing that i have a space next door that is conducive to um creativity for me it is anyway for me um, that environment of a coffee shop is, uh, it gives a lot of energy to me and life. I feel better being there. I don't, I don't, I'm not very productive when I'm by myself. I tend to get up and wander around and do a lot of stuff other than what I know I'm supposed to be doing, especially if I'm at home. So for me, it's, it's hard to have outside of a coffee shop. I don't know what I do where I would go to have those things, you know? So for people who want to get work done, for people who want to, say, set up a photo shoot, where do you go? Uh, I, I think 
that can seem kind of ambiguous. Mm. You can walk around outside. You can be in a downtown area and be creative with that. But it's it's hard to know what to do if you just want to say to say a client or someone you're going to interview. Um, well, well, here's here's what we'll do. Here's where we'll go to record without having a dedicated space for it. If you don't have that, like I have this, which is just my bedroom and it serves the purpose. I'm really thankful for it. But I would love to have a space that is more specifically for that and not just for me, but for anybody. I think there are some places like that around here. I think there were some rooms in the Onyx in Bentonville like that, like little rentable rooms where you could have meetings with people or record yeah um and there's there's also in the library they have some they have a place set up where you can record stuff right yeah um, and there's our segas yeah upstairs um so the, wait is, upstairs where uh in the library our segas in the library yeah or the fayetteville library yeah and it's are you, is it the the main like the cafe that's right in the front of the building when you walk in or is it a different thing uh, I think so, yeah. Okay, yeah, they yeah they say Super Sega's. Yeah, I think, it, and unless they've changed it, I, I haven't been there in a long time. Yeah, I haven't either. It's, they've been closed, I think, on and off quite a bit. It's not super vibey, to be honest. Yeah, because um, it's a library, you know. You gotta keep it real chill. Yeah. Um. <laughs> it's it's not really a great place for like meeting people, but you can get some good coffee there. Yeah. After. Yep. You uh, record or whatever, uh-huh. and hypothetically, you could bring cool people to hang out with. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you could. And I mean, at that point, you're pretty close to the rest of downtown Fayetteville too, and you can sit outside in the library where you can probably make a lot more noise. Yeah. Um, not that I go anywhere with the intention of just making lots of noise, but you know. You know. Um, I, I want to add a lot of value to people by having a big old subwoofer in my car. Yes. Uh, so that I can blast it and people in their apartments can be disrupted from whatever they're doing. And, you know, uh-huh. like receive a new, you know. Inject some new vibes into in, people. Inject some new vibes. Vibra- yeah. That's literally. Good know, vibrations. Li- literally, literally, yeah. Literally good vibrations. Or at least vibrations of some sort. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm. Thank you, dude, with the. Overly yeah. loud bass. Sometimes they show up, I think, at like midnight. Really? Or just really late in the day or really early in the morning and just sit in the car that's and so, just blast music like that. That's so generous of them. I know. Like, you don't even have to plug in your own. <laughs> I know, right. I don't even need to turn on the stereo. That's, I can hear it from out there. So that's so nice of them. Oh, look, I clipped a little bit. Oh, you did clip a little bit. It's okay. Um, what, so what's something that gets you fired up? Like that gets you wanting to something you like talking to about a lot with people, but you don't necessarily get to talk about very much. Um, I don't know. I how I really like some of the new ideas that I have coming up. Um, I, I'm really excited about a, a lot of the things that are happening recently. Um, it's good. 
I I'm really excited to to be doing this new business, teaching people how to make their own music and mm-hmm. podcasts. So that's one thing that I get really fired up about. It, I get really giddy whenever people want to talk about different types of microphones and like how do you, how do you use um, how do you use a digital audio workstation? This feels like a spaceship. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, so that gets me really excited. I'm also really excited about like making my own music and yeah. Um, I'm excited for this new song coming out in March. Yeah. Um, so you you write and produce your own stuff. What all do you play I, as far as instruments go? See, I play guitar, ukulele, play keyboard a little bit. Um, I program the drums, um, the bass. So I can, I can do all the instruments and then, yeah, there's a lot of post editing that goes in, into that, but mm-hmm. yeah, um, I for my my solo stuff, I mostly do all of the instruments myself. But um, the song that I have coming up, I actually I had some help with it from Haxton Road Studio. Uh-huh. Um, so it's gonna it's gonna be amazing. Yeah, <laughs> they they did a really good job uh, with yeah. the instrumentation. Yeah, I've heard they're good. I have a friend who has recorded music with them before. Yeah. Yeah. Studios are awesome, man. I love a studio. Like, I don't I don't play any music. I don't do that side of it. I'm not that person in the studio. I love being in them, though. The whole aesthetic and look of everything, I, I just love it. I, I had the opportunity to shoot a band while they were recording in studio once. And I love it. I love the chance to do that. And I would love to do it more. Hmm. Yeah. Hacks on Roads is an experience. I, I felt like I was about to meet the Wizard of Oz or, or something. Yeah. <laughs> the ceiling is about 20 feet tall, like in the, in the lobby area. It has a big chandelier. And uh, the door that you go through to get into the studio is about 10 feet tall. And it's a big wow. iron door. Um. Man. And, and, and yeah, uh, Neil, Neil Greenshaw comes out and he's, he's like a, a normal dude. <laughs> he's, he's super, super down to earth. Um, and yeah, really encouraging person to be around. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'd, I'd recommend Haxton Roads to people who want like amazing quality song. Yeah. Anyways, that's where I'm getting mine recorded. Nice. Well, it's already recorded. It's it's, I mean, it's gonna be out in on Spotify, iTunes, and Amazon Music, and you know all of the things on March 10th. March 10th. All right. Shout out to Haxton Road. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not sponsored. Not sponsored. Not sponsored. No sponsors as of yet. Not not yet. <laughs> no. I don't know who would want to sponsor this podcast, but. Maybe someday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, someday. <laughs> yep. So what's something then, what's what's something that's just really joy-inducing for you? What makes you feel really peaceful? Um, yeah. I, I really like getting about nine hours of sleep, um, waking up, and have, having breakfast with friends. Yeah? Yeah. What's your favorite kind of breakfast to have? Um, 
so, you know, pancakes or waffles, but I would say I'm a waffle guy. Okay. I Waffle guy. Like, I, I don't think that that means that I'm, I compartmentalize my emotions. Um, it's not an analogy for your life. It's just, just a food. Yeah. It's just a food. Yeah. So for, for anyone that thinks that waffles are indicative of my personality, um, don't think that. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. Settle down. Don't jump to conclusions. Yeah. I don't know, honestly, if I'm more into pancakes or waffles. They're both so good. Yeah. Either one you handed me, I'm going to be happy. Well, which like, what's the first thing to come to mind? Like, w- would you want a waffle or a pancake? A poffle. Poffle? <laughs> mm. uh, Let's see. What does this say about your personality? A waffle cake. <laughs> I, I, feel like I don't I, know. I feel like I know who you are now. <laughs> Dude, it's so hard, honestly, for me to choose that. They're both so similar. I don't know. I, I don't know, man. Because I love a good, I love thin waffles, like crepes. Oh, I mean, not, not waffles, pancakes. Oh, yeah. I love thin pancakes. Um, I can really enjoy some good pancakes, too, man. I would love pancakes right now. I think I have stuff to make them. Hmm. <laughs> but I love also a good waffle, especially when it's got a little bit of crispness, like a big Belgian waffle mm-hmm. with the outer parts of the, the compartments are kind of crisp. Yeah. Man. I should stop talking about food. Yeah. I, I feel like waffles do, but they don't define... Like, they, they do, but they don't describe me. Okay. Like, the compartmentalization aspect of it, not so much, but maybe, like, the the nuanced multi-texture. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. That, that might... That might be a little bit closer to describing my personality and... Nuanced th- multi-texture. And the things that I enjoy, yeah, because they got the the crispy, they got the sweet, they've got the 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 bready taste. Um, yeah, it's just it's got a yeah. it's got a lot of texture to it. Yeah, it does. What's your favorite food group? My favorite food group. Yeah. Uh, meat. 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 Um, what kind of meat? Um, I'm gonna have to get closer. Or bring you can you can bring the mic up. Feel free to move it around as you move. Like, oh really? It won't be clunky. No, I mean if you do that, there'll there'll definitely be some some noise on it. But if you just move it into position, like, are we gonna go back matter. and edit this stuff? No. Oh what? <laughs> no, I don't do editing unless we have to take like a bathroom break or something. I chop that out. But uh, okay. Yeah. No, for the most part, the only editing that happens is just picking a start point and an end point and putting the intro and outro music in. Simple enough. Yeah, super simple. I'm a minimalist, man. I'm a reductionist. Reductionist. I like to reduce down to the bare minimum of what is needed. Huh. Nice. I like that. Uh, I mean, this is my setup. Super easy. GarageBand, by the way, for anybody who hated GarageBand before, the new version's much better. <laughs> With the new Mac OS Big Sur, it's much better. Yeah. Works better. It seems less glitchy, less clunky. The old GarageBand was so bloated and heavy. It was like the only software on my computer that produced the spinning beach ball of death. Oh, GarageBand did yeah. that? Yep. Yeah. Everything else is fine. 
especially anything that's an actual Apple app. Um, but man, GarageBand was just bad. So the the new update is much better. Yeah, it's it's crazy what you can do with GarageBand. It's it's free, but it's really good. Yeah, I have the paid version of it, which is Logic. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, actually, I I got a cracked version of it. Yeah. But I didn't <laughs> think it was cracked. I, I I didn't think it was uh pirated or anything like that because I paid I paid sixty dollars for it. Huh. I gave I gave sixty dollars to pirates, man. Man. Um, Jack Sparrow. Yeah, Jack Sparrow got my money. Um, but yeah, I can't, I can't update logic because, oh, cause it's cracked. Yeah. So can't get now the crack. I, I'm like, well, I guess I can go back to GarageBand and I forgot like how good GarageBand really is. Yeah. Like it's GarageBand can do most of the same things that the paid version can. Yeah. I mean, as I understand logic pro is a much more comprehensive piece of software. Mm-hmm. Um, cause it's, meant for professional production yeah um and i mean for 200 dollars, that's kind of a steal in my mind to buy and these days especially being able to buy any software outright and just own it and not have to pay a subscription fee every month that seems rare yeah i am a fan of uh outright purchases not um subscription-based services yeah part of me wonders if that's like apple just wanting people to buy macbooks like, <laughs> i mean they definitely want people to buy macbooks yeah and i did uh, i feel like macs attract like the creative types yeah they like, do they've always kind of been known for that yeah there's it's kind of their market it does the job i mean i don't do anything creative on my mac outside of photo editing but the software i use is not mac exclusive um and then this obviously so i don't know what software i would use for this um if i was on a windows machine because honestly for being free yeah i this is great this is perfect for me i get to set up GarageBand. it's pretty simple as far as setting up the dual mic recording um you have to create an aggregate device with mm-hmm. the MIDI controller, which is also just a native Apple app that's just in there for um, controlling your audio devices, kind of. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you make that, and then you can select it in GarageBand and use it to record. So both channels are recorded, and yeah, easy setup plug and play pretty much with these mics yeah yeah this is this is super yeah this is super robust but also really simple as well yeah which is kind of one it's important for me because i'm just not i'm kind of stupid so i I don't i don't learn easy (laughs) so i wanted something that was super simple and also honestly didn't take up a lot of space Mm. because i just don't have a lot of space so I've got the desk, and I can mount the mics to there, and then I've got a laptop, and I can plug that in. So when I record, I keep it connected because the cord runs down there to a power strip, and then the mics just plug into the Mac and ready to rock and roll. Handy. Yeah. Huh. Yep. So record and export. I was using multiple software um, 
was using multiple apps. So I was using this and then some cheap free version of an app that I found in the app store to add in the intro music because in the previous GarageBand, if I would drag in an MP3 clip, it would speed it up like 50 times hmm. and I couldn't figure out why. Hmm. Um, and that issue is fixed now with the new GarageBand. So I drag uh, those in, I drag in my intro, just me talking like through the intro. Um, I drag all those in and I can adjust the volume on them and get them to fade in and out. I can do that all in GarageBand and then export as an MP3. Then I upload that to my website in an audio block and um, yeah, then it just goes out to the web. And it seems like it updates pretty quick. So I recorded with Devar and Thursday, I didn't even finish like putting it together until Thursday night and it was supposed to release Friday morning. So I think I kind of rushed it and I didn't notice because I didn't fade the music at the beginning. So the music was super, it was like drowning out my voice, mm. the intro. Mm. And I noticed that when I played it Friday morning, I actually turned it on on Spotify and it was no bueno, didn't uh, work good. So I went back into GarageBand today or yesterday, I don't know, recently, I went back into GarageBand, put a fade on the audio track and exported it again and re-uploaded that file to the website and then it updated. So it's it's on Spotify too, it, it fixed it. So I'm pretty happy about nice. that. Yeah. Heck yeah. Huh, how long does it take? Did you say you use Anchor to distribute? I don't. I use uh, just my website. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, so... Yeah, we want to get this, like, more so since, like, so that your vocals are, like, hitting it straight on. Straight on. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, I you can use Anchor. Anchor kind of does all the distribution for you, but I don't like having another host for the website, like oh. another, another middleman yeah. between my website and spotify and apple and google like i already have a website so i don't need some other distributor like making their own website for me yeah yeah so it's all it's all on so through you, my website I and i can edit to, everything right there you have to go to you have to actually manually put it in spotify yeah you have to submit it once once you once the show is accepted, though, you don't have to do anything else. Oh, okay. Yeah, so cool. it's accepted. I manage everything through my website, so I write the descriptions in my website and links and uh, the thumbnails and everything like that. That's all done on my website, and then Spotify just picks it up. Huh. Which, by the way, Spotify, of the three different ones I have, Google, Apple, and Spotify, Spotify does the best job huh. of actually pulling that information in because huh. it does show album art for every episode which the album art is a picture of each person hmm. um and it shows the the uh, description with clickable links in it uh -huh. so you can go to my website and go to the original url for each uh -huh. episode it shows all that really easily oh that's handy yeah 
for some reason Apple and Google don't show the uh, the album art. Huh. Sometimes they do, but most of the time they just show the the album art for the show itself, the Uncommon People huh. thumbnail. Handy. Yeah. Huh. Well, super cool. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, is there anything else you want to talk about? You, what, what I you, mean, what we think? haven't, honestly, even, this is definitely the shortest one we've had so far. Oh, we haven't really? gone through a whole lot of stuff. We can ask, we can ask some specific questions. I, I was doing this for a while, and then a number of the episodes, I just kind of ended up asking them or ended up having those questions answered without necessarily asking them directly. But we didn't really touch on them, I guess. Um, what's something that you find hurtful that people do? Hurtful. Yeah. Hmm. So that our listeners are aware. Um, not listen to my podcast and not listen to my music. <laughs> so they're all good. <laughs> If they've gotten to this point, no, I'm kidding. Um, but actually, I don't know. I guess something hurtful is um, whenever people don't respect my sense of choice, um, whenever I feel like someone's trying to manipulate me to do something that I didn't agree to or something that they think I should do but haven't considered whether or not I want to do it and so yeah that's that's kind of hurtful um my dad wounded me by making me think that like I, I didn't have um good ideas and so whenever other people think they need to um take charge of my life or assume things about my character or motivation that aren't true it can be hurtful um, yeah hmm. but kind of need to take a bathroom break can we pause it right quick yeah for sure i enjoyed your christmas song in there yeah, I I guess whenever I use the bathroom, I like to sing a Christmas tree. All, all the time, really? Not all the time. Do you do it a lot, though? No, uh, sometimes. <laughs> I feel very... So we talked about... One of the last people I recorded, after we were done, before taking photos, I went to the bathroom. And I came out and I was like, man, I'm always really self-conscious when I pee. About the noise. Really? You know? Uh-huh. It's hard to just go go all in and just to hit the water hard yeah hit the water yeah. hard. that's a good phrase i uh like like a belly flop yeah i usually turn the fan on if i know somebody's like really close to the door yeah to the bathroom that i'm peeing in that, yeah that's good that's probably good practice uh i can never know for sure that they they can't hear me peeing but but it's like why are we so self-conscious you know everybody does it yeah. yeah, so I wanna I wanna be more confident in my urination. That's like that's a good word for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. So aside from the fact that you like to sing "Oh Christmas Tree" when you go to the bathroom, I probably do that about once a month. Once a month? Yeah, it's that's not good. Okay, not you, super frequent. I mean, you don't need to, it's nothing to defend. It's it's fine. You know, it's cool. Yeah. 
but j- just to give you a metric, I pro- probably yeah. about once a month I sing you a Christmas tree. Okay. Here we go. I'm I'm honored that the time you sang a Christmas tree while going to the bathroom was when you came to my studio. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's probably at least as far as I can remember. Yeah. <laughs> um, the only time I've sang it in February, so. Wow, nice. Yeah, yeah it's kind of beyond the Christmas season now. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, aside from your, uh, that fun fact, what's something that you think the world should know about you for your sake? Something that would be good for you if other, if the, everybody else knew about you? Something that would be good for me if other people knew about it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It makes me feel really loved whenever people are very intentional with their words. Um, so words of affirmation are one of the ways that I receive love. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I don't know. If somebody gives me just like a generic compliment like hey you're awesome or great job or something that's kind of blanket statemented um that doesn't mean as much to me but if if somebody takes the time to notice specific details and um and encourage me that means a lot um yeah i also like back massages that's that's something like (laughs) you think everybody should know that Everybody should know that I like back massages. Who was giving you, somebody was giving you a back massage earlier today, wasn't there, when I came into uh-huh. church? Yeah, uh, Coleman, I was running, yeah, Cole. I was running the soundboard, <laughs> and he just got behind my back, and was like, hey, can I massage you? I'm like, yes, anytime. <laughs> you can, you can, you can massage my back anytime. And I had, I had knots back there. Uh, it was nice. Have you ever had a, a official massage? No, I've no? never, I've never had like a paid massage. I've heard it's pretty great. Mm. I've never had one. Mm. I I don't I don't know. I think I might be really weirded out by it, but it might be wonderful. Maybe that's how we can market your podcast. Like the... no, I think that's moving in the wrong direction. <laughs> There's um, no massaging involved with coming on this show. <laughs> those of you who are listening, um, Joel will massage your back for money. Wow. <laughs> No, I'm they kidding. might have. They might that might require editing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you'll thank me whenever somebody brings you thirty-five bucks. Thirty-five bucks. I mean, I'd pay for a couple bags of coffee. Yeah, I would. Hmm. I would say about twenty, twenty dollars, for like a twenty-minute back massage. Yeah. Let's move on from this. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just, um, just calling it out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's no rules on this show. We can talk about anything, but I just feel like i got to be careful about who I attract to the show, you know? Yeah. This is for talking, not for touching. <laughs> oh, man. Um, what, what is... Here's a pretty serious one. What's, what is spirituality to you? Oh, that's a good question. Spirituality... Um, I've often heard people say that we are spiritual creatures in earthly bodies. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of us 
tend to default in thinking we are earthly creatures. <laughs> earthly creatures. That, so- that sounds like a type of chip <laughs> or a Cheeto or something. <laughs> um, we are um, earthly creatures with spiritual faculties, but yeah, I don't know. I think it's the other way around. Um, we're spiritual beings with earthly bodies and you know, like scientific method, you know, you, you test something and you see what its effect is. Um, I, I think that measuring spirituality is tricky, but I think you can do it. Um, in fact, John, first John encourages us to test the spirits, um, to see, like, do they, do they have love? Do they have yeah, do they do they communicate fear? Is there bitterness involved? Um, is it a forgiving spirit? Like these these mentalities or auras that people give off. There there are a lot of way, a lot of different metaphors to describe it. Um, personally, I think that there there are spirit beings that exist. Um, because scripture says in Ephesians 6 that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principles and spiritual beings. Um, so I think that a lot of times whenever uh, a person is experiencing something that's that's influenced by other spirit beings. Um, so I, I would say spirituality is uh, holistic. Mm. I yeah. like that. Yeah, it it involves our biological factors, like our, our physical brain. Um, it, it involves our thinking and what we believe. It involves our emotions. It, it involves our environment. So, yeah, I would say spirituality is influence. If I could do just like a one a one liner, I think spirituality is influence. Hmm. I like that. That was good. What um, has that been? Something you have thought for a long time, or is that more of a developing idea for you still? Um. Yeah, I remember. Remember whenever I was twenty three. Um. I was kind of doing some like concentration disciplines um, with God. I was I was out at ten o'clock at night, sitting out by a swimming pool, and I decided I'm gonna stick my foot in the water and kick the water. <laughs> so I stuck one of my foots, not foots, foot, <laughs> feet. <laughs> I, I I stuck. I stuck a foot in in the pool and kicked it, and I realized there were a lot of things that went into that experience. I had a thought to kick the water, um, which made me use my physical body to reach into the water, and whenever my foot hit the water, it flinged upwards and splashed back onto the concrete. And this was a super weird realization from kicking water, but Mm. 
I realized like the mind is kind of kind of like that water. Um, words are spoken to a person and it affects that person. Um, we choose to believe things about our identity. We choose to believe things about God and it affects us. There, there's, there's an effect mm-hmm. that is, is measurable. So, yeah, we can, yeah, we can look at those effects and label them, um, attribute them to something like, do I feel shame? Probably a spirit of shame. Like you believe this, this, and this about yourself. Do you feel loved? Yeah, it's probably because you were told this and you experienced that. And yeah, you now believe that you're loved. And yeah, so words have an effect on people. And I think even when we read scripture... Um, it changes our, it changes those cycles. It, mm-hmm. it's it's something outside of us that we can look at and be affected by. Yeah, and it it really does change our behaviors. I remember for the longest time I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't need, I don't need the Bible. I got Jesus. <laughs> and that was, oh man, that was a rabbit hole that I was in, metaphysical outer space epistemological distress for (laughs) a really long time which is i mean epistemology is really just like how do you know things how can you know something um yeah so i i didn't know how to know anything for quite a while Hmm. um but what caused that the epistemological crisis yeah um oh gosh a lot of things caused that um the, the town that I grew up in um, was, I don't know, there, there were a lot of churches there, but a lot of them were really legalistic. Like the churches would kind of have this message of, yeah, do, do, um, act, and God will love you. Um, do the right thing, and then you'll be worth something. But in reality, the gospel is you're you're loved before you even do anything cool. <laughs> that was true for Jesus as well. Before he ever preached a sermon, and which his first sermon was in Mark 15. Before he, before he did that, he was baptized, and the Father split open the sky and said, "This is my Son. I'm proud of him. I delight in him. I'm well pleased with him." And then he went off to do really cool things. But anyways, the reason I was in epistemological distress is really because I, I didn't I, I developed like a sense of distrust for like the people who would use the Bible to hurt people um, and yeah I just I, I've seen people use it very poorly and yeah I started to realize that not everybody wielded the Bible like a billy club and that scripture, um, yeah, scripture was something that described a very kind God, and not only that, but it's really consistent with itself. Historically, it's, it's very well-supported, 
Um, it's, yeah, it's very, my, my best thing that I've noticed about it is, is, is just, it's just really congruent with itself. And yeah, I think there are a lot of ways to look at it and see that scripture is extremely valid and the people who wrote scripture, they saw Jesus. Um, they witnessed firsthand um, the the person of Jesus, and so I think we better listen up. What do you think is the? How do you you get over the hurdle of? Or what's the difference between having information or knowledge about something? an actual belief in something in a way that causes change. Cause I think there in my life I've experienced a, a, I've all, I've grown up with a lot of information around me, mm. having my brain filled with knowledge really. Mm. And it didn't change me. Mm. But in the last few years as I've learned how to believe in things, uh, I've noticed change. I've noticed actual change happening inside me. What do you think of the... How do you get over that hurdle of just having information and actually believing in things? How have you done that? Mm. There's always been this... Um, there's always been this saying that's really kind of been a rudder for my life. It's it's kind of steered my sailboat metaphorically. Um, but... I, I believe Soren Kierkegaard was the first person to say it, but I heard it from Mike Donahue from 10th Avenue North, um, a band that's been really influential in my life. But like, if it the the quote is like, if it doesn't leave us with our hearts changed, if it doesn't lead us to the person, what good is it? Um, and you know, the scripture is not necessarily about having cute facts or um, intellectual candy. It's, I mean, it's about knowing a person, mm-hmm. <laughs> having a relationship with this person. And if the m- information that we have doesn't lead us to that, then it's useless, I think. And one of my songs, um, from the Orienting Co. EP, um, I, I said something similar. What does it matter if it doesn't have the power to transform us? Yeah. So, I, I feel like that's kind of the line between knowledge and believing. It's, you know, like what what actually transforms us, what actually makes us a, a different person whenever we believe it and know about it. So you think that in witnessing change is kind of evidence that you actually believe it? Yeah, I think I think so. Um, when it, when it affects your behaviors, um, and as I mentioned earlier, I mean, I think people are people of cycles, like we have emotional cycles, we have thinking cycles, and that, that leads up to a behaving cycle, and yeah, I think whenever you're able to, like, notice, huh, what are my rhythms, like, what? Like what? What are my behaving cycles? Um, and then you can start to, then you can start to go into like, oh yeah, I do that because I believe 
fill in the blank. And, you know, you think that would be a super easy thing <laughs> to figure out, but, you know, it's, it's just like that, that candle. Like, after it's been lit for a couple hours, you can't smell it. Our, our behavioral rhythms are kind of like that. And so mm-hmm. sometimes it, it takes somebody like you to pull it out. <laughs> like, hey, tell me, tell me about your story. Hey, tell me what, how did it affect you when your dad said these words? Um, and yeah, you can kind of parallel that with like, how might that be affecting me today? Like what cycles of behavior do I have mm-hmm. that may demonstrate a lie that I believed about myself mm-hmm. or on a more positive note, like maybe, maybe I really do believe that the gospel is true. Maybe I do really believe that Jesus interacts with me and loves me and yeah, that's going to, that's going to make me live like I'm a child of the King. Mm-hmm. That's going to make me live like I have hope and you know, I, I think that I would be a lot more generous with my resources. I think I would be a lot more generous with my time. I would take time to um, serve other people, and yeah, I think I think it would it would show in my behaviors. Like if I believed in Jesus, so. Oh yeah, I mean, um, shoot, I lost it again. Something. I don't know. I was going to say something. It was probably going to be amazing. Probably. But yeah, we'll never know now. Hmm. It's like right there, like skittering around like a little squirrel on the outskirts of my mind. I, I just can't catch it. Oh man, that reminds me of a John Mark McMillan song. <laughs> yeah. He's like, like a word on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> It's amazing. Um, and he's he's like talking about like his unconscious. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's all in there. It's, it's in your unconscious. It, it's in there. Yeah. Like it's the, the information is in my brain. Um, I just lost track of it, which is fine. I'm learning to get over it. Whatever. Yeah. Shrug it off. But good thing everything else that we've talked about is recorded. <laughs> Yeah, now it'll never be lost. It'll never be lost. Especially once it goes on the internet. Yeah. At that point. I mean, with mine, you might be able to take the stuff down and actually destroy it because not a lot of people are listening to this probably. But... (laughs) Yeah, two hours is a lot of time. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, something in here will last (laughs) forever. It's, It's always something that you can go back and be like, Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that happened in this conversation. Yeah. Oh, it'll be so interesting years from now being able to actually, if I want to, go back and listen to these things. Um, yeah. Data is cool, too. I just, I have a nerdy side that is really into data. So with photos, I like the data. And I like seeing what focal length this was shot at, what ISO, what shutter speed. What the, what's the location of this shoot or um, what equipment was used? How did you process it? I love that stuff. <laughs> I, I love it. I don't know why. 
Um, I think that, I don't know. I think the unconscious is super interesting. Yeah. Um, I actually wrote down what I dreamt about yeah last night oh <laughs> i had a dream last night i think i can't remember what it was um i know right it's so yeah. hard so hard to it's remember. very difficult um but if you write it immediately after you wake up from the dream or as soon as you can <laughs> yeah then it's great um let's see i wrote this uh whenever i just woke up so it might not be grammatically correct or whatever <laughs> Um, but I said, I dreamed that I was on the brink of getting something done. Then I dreamed a bodyguard was chasing me around in Chuck E. Cheese. Wow. I was, I was climbing through, uh, the, the little slide. I've actually never been to Chuck E. Cheese, but I, I know, I think what that kind of thing is. Yeah. Um, I, I was climbing through a bunch of nets and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, but I think this is really symbolic, actually, and easily interpretable by myself. Yeah. Um, I, the first thing, I had a dream that I was getting something done. I was br- on the brink of getting something done. Um, it's funny that we were talking about the word brink. Brink. Were we talking about brink? Or brink. Ah, tip uh, of my tongue. I got that confused. Oh, okay. <laughs> on the tip of. Um, but no, um, yeah, I... I think often I feel like I'm not being productive enough. Yeah. Um, you know, just starting this new business, it's, you know, it's just a lot to think about. Mm-hmm. Like whenever I get students to come, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> um, I, I get to see really tangible results for them and that brings me a lot of joy, but the marketing and business side of it is super hard. <laughs> like yeah. finding new people to come and go through the course um, that's something I've never done before. And so it's, uh, I don't know. It's kind of scary. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like recently God has been reminding me of a prophetic dream that I had, um, a while back of being in a lion's pit. And there, there were a ton of ways that that dream was confirmed in, in real life. Um, and but anyways, um, lions often symbol- symbolize opportunities. Like you have something scary in your life that you need to face. And when you do face it, there's, you do face the risk. You do face the risk. There is an opportunity for great reward. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think God has been reminding me of that and encouraging me to try to start my own business and and try to try to be full-time with the thing i'm most passionate about um and so i did it (laughs) and now it's i feel like i'm in the middle of the pit yeah Um, and so so this dream that i had i I don't think is too far off from my real experience i I dreamed this bodyguard was chasing me um and chuck e cheese (laughs) um wait so i missed the the interpretation of that one the bodyguard in Chuck E. Cheese. What do you think that is? So that's symbolizing fear. Um, I'm I'm running from something. It feels like um, something is chasing me. Something's after me. Something's gonna get me. 
um, something really bad is going to happen. Um, and I have, I have dreams about getting chased like all the time. Hmm. Um, there was another one this month, actually. Um, I was getting chased by this 300 pound woman. Um, I, I don't know what she wanted from me, but she was chasing me. I was like, Hey, look lady, if you quit chasing me, I will buy you a Kaniac combo from Raising Cane. Just please stop chasing me. Well, that's worse than being chased by a, a lion, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, at least, you, you know, if you survive from the lion attack, that, that you're going to have a cool story. Like, if you tell somebody you were chased by, like, a... A 300-pound woman. A 300-pound woman. That's that's not that cool. No. It's kind of funny, though. Yeah, oh, it's definitely funny. I've definitely not really had that exact experience. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever been chased in real life, except by, like, my siblings as a kid, you know? Mm. Yeah. I don't think I have. Yeah. But, like, the idea of the unconscious. Ooh. Horn scared me. <laughs> Oh man, but yeah, the unconscious is just super interesting to me. Yeah, uh, I th- I think that the more uninhibited we are, um, the better we're able to kind of pull that stuff out. Mm-hmm. And I think you did a good job of that too. Like, you you have this really nice space for the podcast, and, and I think I think you need that. Like to to pull stuff out of people. Like you need to make them feel really comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um feel like they can not be distracted like they're like they're safe and that's gonna that's gonna pull a lot of good stuff out of people um and you made me chocolate kiss tea from savoy's and that that was super good good old savoy yeah and you have yeah it's just an aesthetically pleasing room too Um, thank you he welcomes me and yeah made me yeah, made me feel comfortable. I think that's that's a that's a good that's a good ground for being like uninhibited so that you can like actually process your thoughts. Good. Yeah. That makes me happy. I'm glad. That I mean that was pretty much the goal with this figuring out the setup. And it's gotten better. This is definitely an improvement from what it, how it was set up originally. Um, especially with the curtain, I think. That's a cool color, too. Yeah. But uh, we can wind down. Yeah. And we can take some photos in front of the curtain. Cool. That sounds good. But So I end every episode with a recommendation and something that makes you laugh. So do you have a recommendation for the listeners Mm. of anything? You can recommend anything you want. Don't eat that yellow snow. (laughs) No. Um, Let's see. Double down. No. I think. Uh, how about leaders or readers? Read some books. What did you say? Leaders are readers. Leaders are readers. Oh, uh-huh. I processed that as leaders like a leader of pop. Uh. <laughs> leaders are readers. Yeah. No, L E A D E R S. Leaders yeah. are readers. Oh, I like that. So we recommend reading. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Pepsi bottles have feelings too. Yeah. I'm more of a Dr. Pepper man. Dr. Pepper. Yeah. yeah if I, I don't really drink soda, but 
I I found that I actually enjoy Dr Pepper. Oh, same. I don't I don't I don't drink soda. Yeah. There's a new. This is not a sponsored thing, but <laughs> there's a new Coca Cola huh. with coffee in it. Ah. I bought it because it was at it was at the grocery store in a four pack, and the packaging is good. I love Coca Cola's marketing. It's it's huh. so good. And I was like, I gotta try this huh. coffee. You know, that's my thing. Yeah. And I got it, and it was good. I enjoyed it. But I want to start. It, it needs more coffee in it, so I'm gonna start. At some point, I'm gonna make some cold brew. Ooh. And then I'm just going to buy Coke, and I'm going to add the Coke huh. to the cold brew and get the ratio the way I want it. That would be super. So that's my recommendation. I normally don't do recommendations. Mm. I'd leave that to the guests, but that's my recommendation for everybody. Mm. Coca-Cola with coffee. I think it was good. Yeah, I guess something more pertinent to what I actually talked about, <laughs> um, I would say try something new. Try something outside of your normal rhythms. Uh, yeah. Because whenever you do that, that's going to... Uh, disrupt your cycles and, and help you to see, you know, kind of what what are your emotional cycles, what are your behavioral cycles, what are your thinking cycles. Um, whenever you're in a new environment or you do something new, it it can be something that helps you to have new thoughts. And yeah, that's a good recommendation. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that. Try something new. Buy buy different groceries this week. <laughs> Go get some Coca Cola with coffee. Get some Coca-Cola with coffee. <laughs> go walk out in the woods. Do, just do something you don't normally do. And yeah. See see how that affects your um, your emotional, spiritual, mental health. Um, I think it'll I think it'll do good. Nice. Um, you know, Sabbath is disruptive. Fasting is disruptive. Like mm-hmm. there there are a lot of um, disciplines that are meant to be disruptive in a very good way. Uh, that's a really good point. Nice. I approve of that recommendation. Thank you. Sponsor. The, the seal. The seal of approval. Um, okay. Let's try to end in laughter. What's on? Do you have a joke or a funny story to share? Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> I do have something funny, but I can't say it in Why? public. Why? Oh, this is this isn't public. This is all private. Nobody will ever hear this. Nobody's gonna listen to this no, podcast. No. <laughs> no, the person that it involved would kill me. Oh, you don't have to say their name. <laughs> you don't have to share if you don't want to. You can make up a hypothetical story that may have <laughs> elements of reality in it. Oh man. Okay, let me think. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Hmm. So, something that's really funny, I think it's really funny, but I have a friend who um, often he feels small. Um, he feels like he's shorter than other people, and I I grew up and I was a fat kid. <laughs> um, I don't think that I'm fat anymore. I would like to be more in shape, but anyways, like I will uh, try to pick him up, and I'm like I can't I can't pick you up. You're too you're too big, and then he'll pick me up and he'll be like, oh you're so light. This is this is basically like pillows. That's funny. Um, I like that. 
he just that you described it that way he has a tendency to he just thinks he's shorter than everybody yeah <laughs> so sometimes like i'll jump on top of him for a piggyback ride and say yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> It's a little bit degrading, but I think he has that. <laughs> I, I mean love by it. Should be good. Yeah. 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 yeah.